The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So two of our favourite political analysts on The Last Word are with us to look forward to the year in politics. Gary Murphy, Professor of Politics at Dublin City University and Danny McConnell, Political Editor of the Irish Examiner. And actually, let's continue talking a little bit about health, which every year is a major political issue. But, but where is the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, in this latest crisis, given that he was able to give interviews in the run-up to the reshuffle to try and save his job? Now he's kept his job. Where is he? Is that for me, Matt? Is it, it is, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, he, he, well, his spokesperson was certainly speaking to me earlier on today and, and giving me kind of insight in relation to the government's thinking in, in relation to mask wearing. Obviously, there was a call from the INMO earlier today to reintroduce some form of mandatory mask wearing. Um, the, the government is basically setting its face against that, they, that they will say they will they will act on the advice of the CMO and the CMO advice at the moment is not to bring back a mandatory kind of uh, requirement for mask wearing. However, it's advised on you know, on public transport and it's, it's advised in, in healthcare settings. I think, however, you are right. I think Stephen Donnelly is going to come very much into focus over the, over the coming days and weeks. You're seeing hospitals all over the country in very real trouble in Waterford, in, in Limerick and in Galway and elsewhere. You're seeing real pressure on the system. Um, and I think ultimately this is the month that every health minister uh, hates because obviously, you know, it, it, the weaknesses in the system that are there perennially uh, get highlighted yet again. And ultimately, no amount of money and spin uh, can can, you know, can essentially get them out of the, the trouble when you're seeing record trolley numbers and you're seeing record waiting lists and ultimately more more egregious now, more evidence of people essentially leaving any untreated because they simply can't get access to the healthcare system that they should be. Gary Murphy, this is the annual problem for any government, isn't it? That nobody seems to be able to get a grip of the requirements in the health system. Are things likely to get worse rather than getting better, given the demographic shift in the population and the shortage, it seems, of enough doctors and nurses to cater for all of these people? Oh, I think so, Matt. And I think uh, the fact that uh, health is getting worse, uh, this politically is very bad news for the um, uh, for the government and for Minister Donnelly uh, in particular, who, as you said, uh, fought tooth and nail for his job and now seems to have gone uh, mysteriously uh, silent. We're, we're like this every January, and you know we, we've been doing this show for a long time. Every January, we talk about the crisis in the in the health service. Gargantuan amounts of money have been put into help all to. Uh, uh, to little or no avail if you're one of the people in Limerick who've been told not to turn up, even if you're sick, uh, because uh, you could be waiting there for hours or to do explore every every alternative. And if we go back to the 2020 general election, Matt, health was the number one issue for, for voters, 25%. So one in every four people who went to vote had health as their number one uh, priority. And that's not going to change, it seems to me, between now and the next general election in a couple of years' time. I mean, in one way, this is going to be a quiet political year, I think, because there, there's not an election to um, to sort of rally around. Um, but if, if, if these figures continue, and I don't think there's any suggestion that they're not going to continue, well, I, I think politically people are going to... Um, to look elsewhere. So it is a huge problem. And, you know, I, I think one of the issues around not having a significant reshuffle uh, uh, in December is that people will say, well, the government is happy to have uh, things as they are. And that's a very dangerous position for any government to be in. But just stay with you, Gary, on that, because I think connected to the issue of health is housing. 
because one of the things that's becoming clear is that a lot of doctors and nurses go away from Ireland because they can get a better, cheaper standard of living and perhaps even a better pay elsewhere. And our problem in importing an awful lot of doctors and nurses or getting immigrants or emigrants to return is finding somewhere they can afford to live. Now, what is the government going to really be able to do, do you think, this year to address the housing issue at a time when interest rates are going up and new starts of construction is falling? Well, and, and the same issue, Matt. Uh, uh, you're quite right in relation to the uh, the crisis in the numbers of doctors and nurses. I think it's something like we're 5,000 uh, beds uh, short, and those beds that have to be uh, populated by, by nurses, doctors, consultants, there's a huge shortage uh, of them. And, and again, to go back to the 2020 election, then 24% of people, uh, housing was their number one uh, issue. And this is not just about homeless, and the homeless numbers are you know catastrophically bad, again, uh, for the government, over 10,000 people in the just before Christmas. Uh, it's only four or five years ago when the then Minister for um, Housing, Simon Coveney, was telling us there would be no one living in hotels by the end of 2017. You know, that mysteriously disappeared off the uh, off the agenda. So I, I think these are hugely important uh, issues, but there is no resolution inside. And, you know, I, I take the bona fides of both Dara O'Brien as Minister for Housing and Stephen Donnett after doing all they can, uh, but it's so torturously slow that I think politically people are getting a bit fed up, uh, whether it's rebuilding Ireland, Ireland for all, uh, housing for all, whatever the title of the delay Empty slogans? Might be. I, I, I think most people have, have come to the conclusion that perhaps uh, they aren't and it's not simply now just, a, as I said, a question about homelessness. There's a huge issue around where people in their mid-twenties are going to live. You know, the sons and daughters of people like us in our 50s who will say, well, we could be having our children living with us forever. And this is then will eat, I think, into, potentially eat into the sort of middle-class vote that was historically uh, Fianna Gales and Fianna Falls to, uh, to fight over. And, we, you know, we saw interviews by Owner Bryn over the weekend in the newspapers. I mean, this is, the, this is what Sinn Féin is targeting now. And again, I think this spells really significant trouble for, uh, for the government ahead. And then, Danny McConnell, moving from that, immigration is related to all of this as well because a lot of the GPs are saying that many of their problems, particularly in rural Ireland, is is having to deal with the additional numbers of immigrants adding to our already growing population. And then housing is another issue. And we have, of course, so many hotels now at this stage being used as temporary but now nearly permanent centres to house immigrants. Has this the potential to be another flashpoint for the government during 2023? I think it does, Matt. And without question, I think we've, we've already seen sort of the harbinger of that, you know, protests in East Wall. We've seen issues arising in Killarney, uh, not only in the last few days, but elsewhere. Um, and I, I think this, this, I think there's a realisation within government. And, and one anecdote I'll give you, Matt, is I was walking down the corridors of Leinster House and, you know, one senior minister made the point to me, he said, next year, the big problem won't be money. Like, there's money to do stuff. The big problem will be that social cohesion aspect is that you, you when you're trying to shoehorn an extra one, one and a half percent of your population in that have come in in a very short period of time, you don't have... A, suitable or, or really suitable accommodation for these people, tensions will arise and ultimately what you're likely to see in the coming months, Matt, is that people who are currently in hotels being moved out into pretty substandard accommodation because the hoteliers will want to get back to normal business. They won't want to continue in this situation uh, and the government itself has, has, has acknowledged it doesn't want to essentially establish a long-term second tier uh, direct provision system. They want these people out in the communities. Um, so there is a real there is a sense that there, this is a difficult, complex problem that is simply building day after day 
we've done the emergency part, we've gotten the people in, we've given them shelter, which is the absolutely right thing to do. The far more complicated, the far more, you know, difficult issue is is assimilating these people properly into Irish communities all over the country. And I just don't think the system is, is geared up to do that. So, you know, we, we can be very good at the emergency stuff, but we tend to be very poor at the long-term delivery in terms of, and that's where I think there is likely to be flashpoints on this area throughout the year. And can I stay with you in this? Will the government continue to have as much money as is needed available to it, even if it doesn't manage to spend it or spends it badly. Yeah, and this is the thing you're seeing in, in big departments like housing and in other big departments where they're given huge budgets to spend money to, to deliver on, on the very things that we've been giving out about, the lack of housing and the lack of, I suppose, you know, dealing with these demographic pressures. The government is underspending time and time again on these big budgets, which would lead you to think that, you know, we simply haven't learned the lessons of the past. I mean, in, in days gone by, Matt, we used to complain around, you know, really high overspends on projects like the Port Tunnel, even the Children's Hospital nowadays. Well, what we're, what we're seeing more often is, that is an inability to actually just meet its own targets because the capacity in the system's not there. Not enough workers to, to deliver the projects, not enough um, raw materials uh, or they can't source the materials to do the projects. It's just failure to manage the project properly or to set realistic targets. And I think this government, more so than any government in the past, has been guilty of setting unrealistic targets. And you know the chickens ultimately do come home to roost. And then, Gary Murphy, what about using state money to deal with the cost of living crisis? Will the government have to continue maybe, for example, subsidising electricity and gas bills? I don't think that's sustainable in the long term, Matt. Uh, I mean, I don't think it could be sustainable throughout the whole of the year. And, you know, we could still have three pretty pretty, pretty cold months ahead of us. So I think this government has spent money like no other government before simply because of its reaction to the, the COVID crisis. And, you know, to go back to Danny's point, I, I think that was the right thing uh, certainly to do. You know, businesses and, you know, people needed to be supported uh, when the uh, when, when the lockdown came. And I think that that is to the government's uh, credit. But all that money was borrowed and borrowed money, as we all know, has to be uh, paid back uh, eventually. And, you know, I, I don't think the, the, the the, the electorate is sort of um, bought off by 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 by, by these. Um, I, I, I don't call them gimmicks because I think they were, they were important, but I, I just don't think it's sustainable in the uh, in the long term. And there, I, I think there could also potentially be a slowdown coming. We, we've seen tech, uh, high tech uh, jobs come under significant pressure in the. Um, in the electronics in- industry in particular, we, we, we saw Intel, uh, you know, looking for people to take voluntary un- unpaid leave. And, you know, when, when a joint um, employer like that is, is, is doing things like that, I, I think that spells sort of potentially long-term uh, difficulties ahead. And uh, I, I think that's where, where the issue lies. I just don't think it's very sustainable uh, for the government to keep borrowing um, and spending as it has uh, because it'll have to be paid back. Uh, D- Daniel McConnell, continuing with the theme of sustainability, do you think that the government and indeed the public is really committed to environmental measures? Um, I think the public, by and large, Matt, are ahead of the government in, in, in a lot of these things. I think there's been a desire to try and, and look at the issues of you know, transitioning the car to an electric car or the idea of looking to retrofit their homes. The difficulty is that the system that the government has put in place to do it uh, are... are far too cumbersome um, and far too clumsy and they're just you know they're just not cost effective at the moment and ultimately until that happens it, like the, the, the public aren't going to be able to buy in and deliver on what their, their what the government would like them to do and again it goes back to that point I made earlier on about targets being being sustainable or achievable you know if you don't put the infrastructure in place the targets set out just aren't going to be met 
Okay, uh, to you, more technical one, Gary Murphy, but the redrawing of the constituency boundaries, will that take place in 2023? And how many extra TDs will that mean we will have seats for after the next election? Uh, it could mean anything up to about 10 extra seats, Matt. And I, I, as far as I understand, it is to take place later uh, later this year. I mean, these, these have been removed from the hands of the government about 50 years ago. There was a the famous Tully Mander where the then government tried to uh, basically uh, gerrymander the boundaries, to use that famous phrase from the, uh, the United States in the 18th century, I think. Um, and you, know, you can see it on a map. It was sort of a dragon uh, where um, one, one part of the map where all the people live so they got more votes than the others. Um, and so this is an independent process, but it is due to um, take place later this year. And it could be anything up to uh, to 10 seats. A couple of years ago, Fine Gael, one might recall, tried to reduce the number of TDs and simply weren't allowed by dint of the, uh, the Constitution, which says we should have one TD for every twenty to 30,000 uh, citizens living in, in whatever constituency is drawn. And um, yeah, but it does have the potential to have more politicians rather than, um, uh, rather than less. And I think also that politically will give... Uh, optical troubles for uh, for the for the major political parties, the government in particular, even though it won't be of their making. One final one to you, Daniel McConnell. Brexit. Leo Varadkar has said in an interview, which has been picked up largely in the British media today, that mistakes were made on all sides in the handling of Brexit, and that he'll be flexible and reasonable in trying to solve the issues with an Northern Ireland protocol. What does that mean? Yeah, so I think there's a realisation that since Rishi Sunak has come into office that there has been a kind of a resetting of the arrangement and, and the relationship between Dublin and London and London and Brussels. There's been a willingness or more of a willingness and more of a flexibility shown by Rishi Sunak and uh, by the British government to do a deal on the Northern Ireland Protocol to get it done and dusted once and for all. And I think what Leo Varadkar was, was, was talking to there was, you know, I think it, it was a, a recognition that, you know, tempers and the relationships got very, very sour at one point uh, and uh, at several points, you know, and there was a real lack of trust uh, towards whatever was coming out of, particularly when Boris Johnson w- was in office. You know, I think there was a recognition that Theresa May was doing her best against a very tough uh, Conservative Party and uh, House of Commons. Uh, but with Boris Johnson, you just couldn't believe a single word that was coming out of his mouth. They kept changing the rule book. They kept walking away from agreements that they had done previously. So I, I do think there's a sense and a willingness from Dublin to kind of be a bit more flexible, to to work a little bit harder. And I think also as well, I think, you know, Leo Varadkar will have looked at see how Michal Martin conducted his business over the last two or three years and said, listen, maybe the easy soundboard is not the way to go for in relation to this and maybe being a bit more constructive, a bit more low-key uh, and we might actually get a deal done. So I, I do think it's a slightly more mature Leo Varadkar talking there but you know there is still that 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 immovable force in terms of the DUP and and the protocol. So there's still an awful lot of work there to be done. Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner, and Professor Gary Murphy from Dublin City University. Thank you both for being with us here on the Last Word of Today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from four thirty. Today.